What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode number 84, where I will talk about Michigan State's victory over Nebraska last night, Michigan's huge game against Illinois tomorrow. I will also give a little bit of a hockey talk because the Red Wings made a move earlier today that will change the direction that this season is going. And lastly, I will give a few shout-outs to a few teams at the end of this podcast because we've had a few teams that have won a championship around the state that I want to give a quick shout-out to and another team as well. So last we talk about, so let's get into it with the game that happened last night versus Michigan State and Nebraska. Now, I know some of you might be wondering, why aren't you talking about the Michigan State-Iowa game? That game, overall, I thought Michigan State played amazing for 38 and a half minutes of that game. I thought that meltdown was absolutely unacceptable. It is a historic meltdown. It is a very bad look. But overall, I thought Michigan State played well in that game outside of that ending. And that should have never went into overtime. Michigan State should have fouled. But that game is over. So now Michigan State was coming off a very tough loss that they should not have had going into a Nebraska team that has been playing extremely well. And coming off that loss, you could really tell that it affected them in the first half because, honestly, this was probably Michigan State's worst half of the year, Umbra's first half. And it was on both sides of the ball. Michigan State could absolutely hit nothing. They had quite a few open shots that they couldn't hit. They also had times where they had open shots and they pass up and they dribbled in for a long, more difficult two. There was a lot of very confusing things that Michigan State did in that first half. And defensively, I thought Michigan State wasn't very good at all. Nebraska was basically getting everything that they wanted. A.J. Hogard even said at halftime, he's like, that's my worst game of the season. And Izzo responded, ever. I definitely think that coming off the Iowa game, it kind of showed that that was still lingering a little bit, but things completely changed after that first half. And I think a lot of it is because Michigan State was only down 12 at halftime. Now, you might say that's quite a deficit. It is, but without Joey Hauser making a few big threes to end the first half, I don't think Michigan State wins this game especially by the amount that they did. I thought Joey Hauser and Madison Sissoko were really kind of the only two players that really showed up in that first half. But the second half, it's a completely different story because Michigan State was finally starting to hit their shots. And there's kind of one big moment in this game that I think looking back at it, I think really kind of changed the directory of this game was going. And that was the Tominaga 3 that transition three where he basically put it up, looked away, looked back slightly at the end, but the place goes absolutely crazy. Nebraska's up 10. There's kind of a moment you start feeling, hey, Michigan State was crawling back into this. And that kind of seemed like a devastating moment at the end. But the way Michigan State really responded, I think it's because of the way Tommy Naya reacted. Now, I'm not saying what Toby Naga did was 
incorrect or wrong. I think he absolutely should have done that because Toby Toby Naga went seven for eleven from the field. He had twenty points. He scored over twenty points in like four out of the last five games. He's obviously been Nebraska's best player. He has extreme confidence. He knows that a lot of his shots he puts up are going to go in. He doesn't need a whole lot of room. We saw that in this game, and they continue to go to him. And I think that kind of really sparked a moment in this MSU team that changed the trajectory of this game, like I said earlier. And that's because Michigan State, after that, went on a 30-6 to run. A lot of the teams at that time, especially a team like Michigan State that's coming off of a heartbreaking loss and had a horrible first half, you might think that they might just collapse. They were getting so close. They were down by only five or three points at the time. Nebraska goes on a quick seven run, kind of takes the air out of the ball a little bit. The crowd's back into it. But that is absolutely not what happened, and there's a few reasons why. Number one, Joey Hauser, he continued to hit his shots in the second half. Jane Aikens finally got going in the second half. He had 17. Tyson Walker finally started hitting threes. He had 19. A.J. Hogard completely, the flip, the switch completely flipped at halftime. He had 10 points, 14 assists, which I believe ties a record with Mateen Cleaves at Michigan State. He was... Really, really good in that second half, both offensively and defensively. And Michigan State kind of really started taking it to Nebraska and started to do what they've done when they played well. And that's controlling the pace. That's quickly passing the ball. That's running a little bit. And that's great defense. And Michigan State was able to go into Nebraska, get a must-needed win, and I think this win officially lacks in Michigan State into the tournament. Now, if they lost this game and lost to Ohio State and lost in the Big Ten tournament as well, do I th- still think Michigan State got into the tournament? Absolutely. I think it would be a little close. I think they would probably be one of the last four buys at that point. But I think this game really kind of shows that, hey, this Michigan State team is going to go for 25 straight years, which is an incredible accomplishment in itself. And it really shows what this Michigan State team can do because this is one of Michigan State's best three-point shooting teams that I can remember. They shot 16 for 29, 55.2% from three. Now, will they do that every single game? No, but the last two games, they've been really, really good from three. Defensively, they were a lot better in this game than they were Against Iowa, there was absolutely no defense being played in that game at that time. But defensively, in the second half, they were much better. Michigan State just needs to continue to take their open shots. And early on, Michigan State was really kind of relying on those long twos. But you can really start seeing this team having belief in the shooters that they have. And instead of taking these long twos, they're taking these three-point shots that are more open instead of just stepping up and taking a longer two. And that's because you have three, four, maybe five players on the court that can shoot the three very well. You have Joey Hauser, you have Jaden Akins, Tyson Walker, Malik Hall, probably four. Pierre Brooks should be a really good three-point shooter. He hasn't been at all. 
AJ Hogarth's a 29% three-point shooter. Again, not very good, but think about this lineup, and I think this is Michigan State's best lineup, is their small ball lineup for shooting-wise. It's AJ Hogard at 29%. Tyson Walker, I believe, is at like 40, 43. I think Hauser's at 44. Jane Aikens is at, I believe, like 38% from three. And then you have Malik Hall that's probably around there as well for this season. He is 40% from three. So you have at least three, possibly four players on that court at once that shoots 40% or close to and above. You're not going to have many teams that can do that. Now, with that lineup, it causes issues with rebounding. Again, Michigan State kind of had issues in this game as well, but Maya Sissoko gave really good effort, and I think that's all we can kind of ask at this point. Maya Sissoko is kind of like the effort guy. Talked a little bit about this in past episodes. And then Jackson Kohler is more of the offensive threat. And Kohler had four points. He went two for two. I would definitely like to see him possibly get a little bit more shots. He's finally starting to get really confident in his shots. His moves have always been really good. They just weren't really falling early on in the season, but they're starting to do that as well. Trey Hallman had four minutes of playing time. Didn't really do anything statistically. Pierre Brooks, four minutes. Didn't really do anything statistically as well. The one main thing that I was kind of frustrated by is at one point, Tom Izzo had A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker off the court at the same time and had Trey Howellman and P.O. Brooks on that court. And and this is no shot at any of those players, especially Trey Howellman and P.O. Brooks, but... In the tournament, now we're getting closer to the tournament. It's finally March. It's March 1st. You can't have Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard off the court at the same time, and you can't replace them with P.R. Brooks and Trey Howellman. I do believe Trey Howellman will be a good player. We will see about P.R. Brooks. We'll see if he comes back next year. Could he possibly transfer, especially because this isn't the season he's really expecting. I don't think this is the season Michigan State is expecting from him, especially Coach Izzo. But at that time, especially against really good teams, you can't have Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard off the court at the same time. Now, if he wants Tyson Walker and Trey Hellman, completely fine. But you can't have them both, especially going into, the Mar- into March Madness and the NCAA tournament. But overall, besides the late collapse, against Iowa, I thought I think Michigan State's been playing pretty good, and I think they're playing pretty good going into the tournament. They could be playing a little better. There's still some stretches where they don't play very well offensively. They go spurts where they don't score. That kind of needs to get fixed. I don't know if it will at this point, but Michigan State is playing pretty well going into the March Madness tournament, and they have a game at home. Saturday for senior night, that could be a big opportunity for Michigan State to get a win going into the Big Ten tournament. And if they can make a run in the Big Ten tournament, next thing you know, Michigan State could get hot going into the NCAA tournament. And when teams get hot, you never know exactly what's going to happen. But now let's talk about a team that has been playing extremely well, and that is the University of Michigan. 
couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I again said that Michigan needed to really outplay themselves, that they were really close to not even being considered for the NCAA tournament. Now that is completely switched, and that's because of three straight wins for Michigan, one against Michigan State, one at Rutgers, and one at Wisconsin. That was a huge win at Wisconsin, especially the way that they forced overtime. Michigan honestly probably should have lost this game. This is another example of following up three late in the game because turns out Hunter Dickinson can shoot a 30-foot three-point shot and absolutely swish it to force overtime. Don't think anyone saw that coming in the post-game conference. Dickinson also did say he practices that every single day, but kind of gave it a laugh, so probably not serious. But that was an absolutely huge game, especially because Michigan and Wisconsin are both on the bubble. Going into that game, Wisconsin was on the right side of the bubble. Michigan was not. I think they've kind of replaced each other maybe a little bit. We will see. Michigan still needs some help to get into the NCAA tournament. That all starts with their game at Illinois tomorrow night. This is an opportunity for Michigan to get a huge win. If they get this win, I do think they end up making the NCAA tournament. I think it would be really, really close, especially if they lose to Indiana and lose in the Big Ten tournament as well. But I do think Michigan needs to get one of these wins against Illinois, against Indiana. If they don't, I think they have to at least get one in the Big Ten tournament. If they lose out, I think they're in the NIT tournament at that point. And... The reason why Michigan is at this point is, again, three main players. Hunter Dickinson, Kobe Bufkin, and their freshman point guard that is playing very, very good as of lately. He's been shooting extremely well, Doug McDaniel. He's finally starting to hit some of his three-point shots, and he's just grown so much for Michigan. Over the season. Now I'm interested to see if Juwan's son plays tomorrow, Jet Howard. I wonder how much of a difference that will make for this team. Offensively, I think this will help Michigan. Defensively, I will also think this hurts Michigan because Jet Howard, to be fully honest, is not a very good defender. I think he's caused issues on the defensive end for Michigan. And Michigan is really starting to play well though. Kind of starting to connect as a unit. Joey Baker's playing well when he starts. You have Will Cheddar starting as well. He's playing really well. Kobe Bufkin is taking that next step up as now he's kind of like the number one, number two scorer. I would say more than number one because Hunter Dickinson, if you kind of shut him down, the one that's making the plays, the one that the ball is going to, it seems like it's Kobe Bufkin majority of that time but overall I'm interested to see what kind of impact Jet Howard has on this team especially the chemistry some people might argue that Michigan is better without him do I think they're as talented without him absolutely not do I think their chemistry especially on the defensive end is better yes I think Michigan as of the last few games, their defense has been very, very good for the most part. Wisconsin, it was all right. Against Rutgers, they absolutely shut down Rutgers. And while Rutgers isn't a great offensive team, you really don't do that whole lot at the rack. 
And that was Michigan's first game without Jet Howard. We will see how they do tomorrow night against Illinois because Illinois has been struggling a little bit. Every Big Ten team has really been struggling. Purdue has been struggling. Iowa is playing much better. I do think that game against Michigan State, like I talked about earlier, did help them with their confidence. They did go into Indiana and absolutely dominate Indiana. So that would be pretty concerning for Indiana as well. The Big Ten is just so up and down this year. This conference as a whole, it's like everyone is within a game or two of each other. You have Purdue that is 13-5. Purdue is going to win at least a conference, or at least win a share of it. They've already locked that down. You have two teams with seven losses. You have six teams with eight losses. You have two teams with 10 losses. And then going down, you have Nebraska, Ohio State, Minnesota. It's just so bunched together that we will never know what the Big Ten tournament will look like until that last buzzer of that regular season game ends. And Michigan State could be a six seed. It could be a nine seed. They could also get a double bye, depending on how many different circumstances actually happens. Michigan could be get the double bye as well. They could be a two, three, maybe a four seed, or they could go all the way back down to like the nine, ten seed, depending on these last couple of games. But yeah, overall, I think Michigan has been playing extremely well. I think they'll continue to play well. Just that that game tomorrow against Illinois, I think is the prime opportunity for Michigan to get a quad one win, and they really need it. So, yeah, should be a fun game tomorrow. Now let's move on to a little bit of hockey talk, and then after that we'll give a few shout-outs and then wrap up the podcast for the for the night. So the Detroit Red Wings were kind of in a playoff sparse playoff points wise were really close going into their series at Ottawa earlier this week. The Red Wings strapped both games, wasn't even really competitive. And Steve Eiserman was like, okay, it's time to make moves. And he made a move today that I thought was very, very good. I thought this move was one that you kind of wonder what Vancouver is kind of doing. I thought the Red Wings got a decent haul for Philip Horonic, which is the player that was traded. Philip Horonic and a fourth-round pick went to Vancouver. And the Red Wings received a first-round pick and a second-round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Now, the first-round pick could potentially move to 2024 if the New York Islanders end up getting a top-12 pick that would move to a 2024 pick, which, honestly, that could be even a better pick as well. If you're kind of the Red Wings, you kind of don't want to because this is a really loaded draft class in the NHL. But overall, I thought this move was very good by Steve Eisman. I do expect more moves as well going forward because I think he kind of realizes that this is not the year that the Red Wings are going to make 
the NHL playoffs. And I think these last two games kind of show that is probably the reality. The other news that was announced today is the captain, Dylan Larkin, was signed to an eight-year contract extension for $8.7 million per year. The captain is staying around. Absolutely great deal for both sides. Dan Larkin absolutely deserved that. And this could look really good for the Red Wings in a few years as the cap continues to go up for the near future. And also, this kind of still keeps the whole idea of completely rebuilding because the Red Wings would absolutely not do that. Do I think the Red Wings will kind of do maybe a small little rebuild, kind of go a little younger? I think that that's the direction that they're going to go. It also wouldn't surprise me if Steve Eiserman makes a trade with their assets that they got today, try to get a little better for the future. He did mention that they weren't really trading for one-year guys, they weren't really going to do that because the Red Wings are still a ways away from being a Stanley Cup team. They still need to find better scoring. They need an elite scorer. Dylan Larkin is close to that, but they still need another elite scorer. Huso, Billy Huso has been very good in net. With this trade, I do maybe expect the Red Wings to possibly try to sign some defenders this offseason. But we'll see. We'll see what really happens with that. But overall, it's been a really good day for the Red Wings. I'm sure there will be more moves coming up in the next week. And it wouldn't surprise me if players like Tyler Bertuzzi end up getting traded because it doesn't really seem like the contract is going very many places, at least those discussions. He's a great player. I think if that's the deal that Philip Horonic gets, I can't imagine the deal that Tyler Bertuzzi would get and like the players or the, the draft capital that will come in for him because when he's healthy, he's been very, very good. The only issue is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And you know what they say, the best ability is availability. So we will see what kind of return if he gets traded or what the Red Wings do going forward. One other thing before I do the shout-outs, I do want to talk a little bit about Michigan and Michigan State hockey. Michigan hockey, again, had another great season. They're going to be hosting, I believe, a Big Ten tournament series, which is a great thing for that program. They've done that for a while. Now, it is Minnesota as the team to beat, but Michigan, again, has a bunch of potential. Now, Michigan State... They will be the fifth seed taking on Notre Dame. They were so close to being able to host the Big Ten tournament series at home for the first time in history. Under Adam Nightingale, I do think they were really headed into that right direction. I do think at this point, if I had to make a prediction, they probably host one next year. But if they win the series at Notre Dame, which they've played extremely well against Notre Dame this season, Michigan State would then go on to play Minnesota, which I would expect them to lose that series. But at least they would be in the conversation to get into the NCAA tournament, which would be huge. I expect that to happen. Probably not, but 
great seasons so far for those two teams, and I definitely think their series this Big Ten tournament will be really fun to watch. So last thing I really want to do is give a few shout-outs because there's a few teams around Michigan that I think deserves some praise, especially because they've won championships. I never got to them. I want to get to them now. I want to shout out to the Hope Women's Women Dive program. They won their third straight MIAA championship. The Hope Men's Women Dive program got second, which means that the Kelvin swim team got first. Another team that won a MIAA champion, the Hope Women's Track Team. And the men's and women's basketball teams both won the MIAA tournament as well. There will be an episode with talking about talking with Coach Mitchell, the Hope men's basketball team coming out in a few weeks. That was a really great episode, really great conversation. You guys will definitely really enjoy it when it does come out. But good luck to those teams in the NCAA tournament. And last thing I really want to do is give a shout-out to the Elma football team. Earlier this week, I released an episode with their starting quarterback where we talked about his freshman year, and we talked about what it meant to him, what his team meant to him, and it was just an absolutely great conversation with Carter St. John. And we talked a little bit about some of the traditions, his coaches, his players, and I just want to give a shout-out to them because since releasing that podcast, they've been incredibly supportive of this podcast. Their coach has been awesome. Their players have been awesome. They've been very, very nice, and I think that just represents a, a, a program that really cares about their school that cares about the coverage that they have. And every team I've covered has been incredibly nice as well. Coach Morehouse has been awesome. Coach Mitchell has been awesome. Coach Fritz has been awesome. All athletes that I've interviewed have been absolutely incredible. I really hope you all have enjoyed those interviews. We have interviews coming up next week, the week after. We have plenty of interviews still to be released, which I'm really excited. We have interviews planned for the future as well for many different programs. So please continue to support the podcast. If you know anyone that would love to jump on, please let me know. I have an Instagram and a Twitter as well. You can follow both or either of them if you want. It's Michigan Sports on both of them. Same logo as the one that is currently being shown. But yeah, just want to say thank you guys so much for all the support. Thank you for all the listeners. Thank you for all the teams that have supported. Thank you to all the coaches. Thank you all, all for the athletes as well for continuing to support this podcast. You continue to help me out. I really appreciate it. There will be an episode being released later this week, probably talking about the Michigan game and the Michigan State game as well. And then next week I have another interview being released with a baseball player. Really great guy. Big program as well. So I think you'll really like that one as well. So thank you again for tuning in to episode number 84. 
have a great day.